Please be aware that this is for professional investors only. Good morning and welcome to NAM Talks. Today, let's talk EU ESG regulation. For long-time viewers, you know that we've been periodically updating you on the latest news on regulation. But today we want to talk to you about something really important. Did you know that there's less than 300 days to go to build a MIFID II eligible ESG portfolio? But what does that mean? And why is it important to you? Well, to answer this question, uh, today we have with us Francois Passant, former head of Eurosift, ESG leader at Nordea, and global head of marketing and business management, and Christian Balteo, head of multi-assets and product management. But as always, before we begin, we would like to remind you that we have simultaneous translations available. You can access this function by clicking the interpretation button below. As always, your questions are more than welcome, and you can send them to nordeafunds at nordea.com. So let's turn to our first guest. Good morning, Francois. Good morning, Carlo. Good morning, everyone. Very happy to be with you this morning to talk about ESG. Look, Francois, we're really excited to have you here today, and particularly because there have been a lot of changes since uh, that March uh, SFDR uh, uh, deadline. So my first question to you, Francois, is the, see, the ESGU regulation train has sort of left the station, uh, but has not yet arrived, giving the opportunity for those maybe that are a little bit late to the game to still catch the next train. So can you tell us a little bit about where we are? True, Carlo. The EU ESG regulation train has indeed departed a number of years ago. Uh, but this has culminated this year with entry into force of SFDR on March 10th, SNTR standing for Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, which has marked an important milestone for the entire fund distribution industry in combating greenwashing and providing more transparency about ESG products to end investors. However, we believe at Nordea this is only the tip of the iceberg. The crux is yet to come, and that crux is actually the entry into force of MIFID II and sustainability preferences on August 2nd, 2022. So you raise a really interesting point, Francois. What does this mean, this uh, MIFID II eligibility and this important date that we're waiting for? Actually, that's where it's becoming interesting, Carlo, because as of August 2022, and as part of MIFID II and sustainability preferences, all financial advisors will have, as part of their suitability assessment, to ask a question to the end investors about their sustainability preferences, which means, as you can see here on this graph, you know, do you have a sustainability preference, yes or no? If the answer is no, it's pretty easy. You can just offer a standard product that is not particularly related to ESG, typically the SFDR Article 6 products. If it's related, if there is indeed an ESG preference, that the client has expressed, then you can only, as a financial advisor or distributor, offer ESG-eligible products to that client. And that's really interesting, Francois. We keep learning new things about the EU, EU ESG regulation. First, we were talking about SFDR. Now we're talking about what is MIFID-eligible uh, ESG portfolios. But to better understand, am I covered under the SFDR product classification? Is it sufficient to have my uh, Article 8, Article 9? Am I covered? The short answer, Carlo, is yes and no. But to really go into the details, we need to rewind a little bit and go back to our pyramid of uh, SFDR classification. And I just want to remember to remind our um, listeners that SFDR classification is actually about disclosure and self-certification. I think it's very important to keep that in mind. So as part of that pyramid, 
as you can see here, you know, you have Article 6 products. We said they are not really particularly related to ESG, so let's forget them for a moment. Then you have the so-called Article 8, who are promoting ESG characteristics, in short. And then Article 9, who are pursuing, uh, you know, sustainable objectives. So in fact, Francois, what do I actually need to make sure that my, my product meets the suitability preferences of my clients? That's still, can you clarify that for us? Very good question, Carlo, and, and very important question indeed. Um, there are three options to make your product eligible under MIFID 2. The first option is that your product invests a certain amount of its assets or holdings into a so-called sustainable investment, which are defined by the regulation in some ways. The second option is that, again, a certain portion, uh, proportion of your product is invested in the so-called taxonomy-aligned uh, investments. Taxonomy referring to the E. Uh, environmental taxonomy that the uh, European Commission has developed or is still being developing uh, in, in actual fact. And the third option is introducing a new concept which is called the PI, the Principal Adverse Impact, which is basically a range of sustainability indicators measuring uh, to what extent your product can have a negative impact on the environmental dimension or the social dimension. And there are 46 of these PIs in the catalogue that the EU has defined. So there are three options really that asset managers and distributors can use for, to make the, the, the products eligible under MIFID 2 and sustainability. So you raise a very good uh, point there, Francois. You know, reflecting on it in a moment, is Article 8 sufficient to meet that MIFID eligible criteria? Not necessarily, in fact, Carlo. To be eligible under MIFID 2, again, you have these three options, you know, sustainable investments, taxonomy aligned investments or demonstrate at least that your product has one principal adverse impact indicator. So what that means is that there is a disconnect on one end, the SFDR regulation, which is a disclosure regulation, and the MIFID 2 regulation, which is, let's say, a distribution regulation. So it's not enough to be an Article 8. You need on top of that to exhibit as a product one of these three approaches. And that creates that so-called Article 8 plus in, in our little pyramid here. Uh, which is something that has been uh, probably overseen by, by many people, but that is essential and that people need to get ready for that in less than 300 days. So what's going to happen and where do you think the market is going? It's a complex question, Carlo. Still, it's a very fundamental question and we have been exchanging with our clients a lot on that. There is no simple answer. Uh, if I'm a distributor, I have less than 300 days to operationalize that MIFID 2 and sustainability regulation. What am I looking for? I'm probably looking for something that is clear, understandable, certain, relatively easy to implement, that I can implement and industrialize in some ways, that I can explain to my stakeholders, my board, my clients. So not an easy one, given the complexity of the regulation. What are the options at end? Again, there are three options when I select my products as a distributor. So, you know, I can look at sustainable investments, taxonomy-aligned investments, or look at products that have at least one pie, probably a couple of pies, actually. Now, sustainable investment and taxonomy alliance, they come with a challenge. They come with a data challenge. To, to build such products, robust products, asset managers will need companies to report on their own data. And this is not yet completely the case. There's still a huge gap in terms of data. That's going to be uh, solved, but that's going to take probably two, three years at least uh, before we get there. What we have now, for sure, is that we have a set of indicators that has been well-defined, 
clarified by the EU regulation, which are called the PI, so the Principal Adverse Impact Indicators that I mentioned already before. And we believe these PIs actually have a clear role to play, in the short run at least, uh, to meet the MIFID II and sustainability challenges for both asset managers and distributors to build their offering around that. That's our belief. So we believe PI can be an essential tool to meet the uh, sustainability and MIFID II uh, upcoming challenge. This is something we come across very often when we discuss that regulation with our clients, including with our parent company, Nordea, uh, in the Nordics. Um, we at Nordea have included elements of the PI concept for many years in our ESG scoring system. Of course, with the EU regulation, we have now formalized this a bit more. We have built our own PI engine. Uh, but that, I guess, Carlo, uh, deserves its own NAM talks to go into the details of that system. Absolutely. Uh, and it'll definitely be a future uh, NAM talk. So thank you so much, Francois, for your time uh, this morning. Thank you, Carlo. Thank you, everyone. I hope you found this uh, edition of NAM Talks very interesting and informative. Now that we've understood a little bit more about what the regulatory landscape is looking like and where we're going, I'd like to turn our attention to our next guest, Christian Baltail. Good morning, Christian. Good morning, Carlo. Thanks for having me. Christian, if you're an asset allocator today, what do you do if you want to build a portfolio that meets the MIFID II sustainability preferences? So I think the first thing I would be looking for is it's a, a series of, of strategies, of products, of building blocks that have five characteristics. The first characteristic would be, of course, they need to have a very strong ESG framework. Uh, that is a given, given the, the regulation uh, that it's involved here, the requirement of the regulation. The second would be the scope. I need to have all of the right pieces of, of the puzzle. So I need to have equities, fixed income. Within fixed income, I need to have corporate, sovereign within corporates, I need to have high yield, investment grade, and then I need to have all the main regions covered. So I need to have US, Europe, emerging markets, global portfolios. I need to have the tools as historically as allocators have always had with traditional uh, investment portfolios. Third thing would be, of course, size. If we are talking about model portfolios and asset allocators, they need to invest in funds that are quite big AUM-wise, and we have you covered there. We also need long track records. Track record is the fourth component for sure. We have more than 10 years uh, on some of our equity portfolios, more than three and five years in many of our portfolios. So that's an also another component that it's uh, very strong for the ESG star strategies. And the last is the experience. This is not something we started doing a couple of years ago or even five years ago. We have 30 years of experience manage, managing uh, you know, sustainability or ESG screen type of portfolios. We have more than 10 years managing the ESG stars uh, building blocks. And hence, I think, from that perspective, we have everything that an asset allocator would need to buy a MIFID compliant uh, model portfolio. Going back to what you alluded to earlier, which I found really interesting, what do you mean by a solid ESG framework and why does it matter? A solid ESG framework is basically what we have been trying to build over the years on our ESG stars portfolios or strategies. And the ESG stars portfolios are all about three things. The first that we want to outperform the benchmark. We want to generate alpha or the full investment cycle. We don't believe being a responsible investment should pro uh, responsible investor should provide you any type of alibi not to generate returns. That is for sure. Second thing is that we want to do this very strong enhanced ESG integration across all of our investment processes. So for that, we created this responsible investment team back in 2009, and we have dedicated ESG analysts that sit together with our traditional fundamental portfolio managers and uh, come up with a score, 
after a very thorough analysis of the companies we want to invest in and integrate that score into the investment process. I think sometimes the market is overseeing the importance of having these internal capabilities and internal view on a company's ESG profile. Because if you think it through, an asset allocator would normally never buy a strategy, a portfolio on the credit segment where all the portfolio analysis is being outsourced to a credit rating agency. You want the portfolio manager and the analyst that you are invested in doing their own analysis and building their own view. We believe ESG characteristics should follow the same approach. You need to have your internal view on it and finding a systematic way to integrate into the process to actually allow portfolio managers to, wear, to make better informed decisions. And as we said, generate alpha against traditional benchmarks and traditional indices. The third component is maybe the most important, and that is we want to create lasting impact. Um, what we mean by that is that in general, you can see the responsible investing universe of, of, of strategies and portfolios, and there are the type of feel-good portfolios, which are all about exclusions, and exclusions are an important component, but in our view are not everything. You know, you go to bed and you feel good because you're not financing businesses that are related to any type of controversy. But we actually follow a different approach, which is what we call the, the, the do-good type of responsible investment. And that implies that we want to have a seat at the table and engage with the companies we're invested in to help them find the best ESG opportunities. It's not only about risk, it's about opportunities and how to allocate capital to these businesses that have a lot of tailwind and that can generate shareholder value over the long term. Now, this is not a process that you can do if you are just screening a universe against an external uh, ESG rating company. You have to engage with the companies before investing. You have to engage with the companies two, three, five, seven, ten years after to help them in this transition that we think is actually what we want to achieve as responsible investors. Christian, you bring up a good point. We know that ESG stars will be Article 8 plus to be MIFID eligible, but how do we do this in practice? The way we have done this uh, in our ESG stars strategies is that on top of what we have just mentioned before, we are going to also integrate principle of adverse impact indicators at the product level. So we're going to be looking into six themes, which are greenhouse gas emissions, biodiversity, water, waste, social and employee matters, and human rights. And we are not only going to be reporting, but also acting upon these indicators. We're going to you know, be building a very strong, solid framework in order to track this and to make sure that what we have is very robust and not only meeting the minimum regulatory requirements, but also it's aligned with the sustainability um, expectations of our clients and investors. Finally, Christian, a lot of our clients are looking to create a net zero portfolio. Is this possible with the ESG building blocks that you just uh, discussed with us? That is a very good point. And there, there's a lot of discussion going around about what is the best metric to, to measure this, to decarbonize your portfolios. And you know, if we need to go to scope one, two, three, four, but you know, even at the most simple metric, even at scope one and two, if you analyze what our ESG stars portfolios can do, they can certainly uh, help you to decarbonize your portfolio and to reach your net zero targets if you use them as part of your building blocks in the asset allocation. Thank you so much again uh, for doing this and for being with us this morning, Christian. Thank you very much, Carlo. It was a pleasure. So now let's look at the key takeaways from today's NAMS talks. As Francois mentioned earlier, the SFDR product classification is disconnected with MIFID client sustainable preferences. Secondly, MIFID eligible products need to show at least one of three specific ESG approaches. Thirdly, 
In our view, Pi could play a key tool to operationalize ESG MIFID II product selection for distributors in the short run. And finally, Nordea has developed the ESG stars that can serve as an ESG building block portfolios. And in addition, they are MIFID II ESG eligible. So thank you both to Francois and Christian for joining us today. And of course, thank you, you our viewers, for tuning in. If you'd like more information, please visit nordeaassetmanagement.com where you can find more information. Until then, thank you and see you next time.